Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law. The personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas, Greening Law, fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast, version 307, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. And my goodness, were we today or what with... I mean, you said it. It it was a wildly entertaining game between the Cowboys and the Bears in Arlington this afternoon. A game that for a while looked like the Cowboys were going to boat race the Bears and that we were going to be all kind of fighting through the second half, just waiting for it to end. That changed very quickly. Compliments of Dante Fowler. We'll get into that. And man, this thing... It was fun, and the Cowboys are 6-2 and two going into the bye. There is, depending, and, and while we're recording this, we may actually get to the end of the Giants game, but there is a chance that only one team uh, in the division will be ahead of them with the Eagles, who obviously won here on Sunday as we record this. But before we dive into the Cowboys game, as always, greening law, my friends. It was a weekend 15 months ago, much like any other weekend for me, when somebody plowed through a light and, and slammed into me, and my back has been screwed up ever since. You know what I did on Monday morning? I woke up and I called Greening Law. Robert Greening and the green team at Greening Law, if you've been hurt in a car accident, if you've been injured on the premises of a business, you, you need to give them a call and see if you've got a case because they handle all that stuff. They go to bat for you against the insurance companies. Now, Matt can tell you, and you've heard his testimony, the reason why you want to rock with Greening Law is... And I like to say, man, they bring a flashlight with them and kind of illuminate the way. They kind of hold your hand through this process, which, as Matt has told you, can be kind of complicated and, uh, you know, a little tedious. And there's some questions that you didn't even know you were supposed to ask that Green and Law can help you get down with. Uh, the consultation with them is free. All you got to do is give them a call and say, hey, here's my situation. What do you think? And hope, hope, hope that they bring you on as a client. Yeah, that's very true, man. It's very easy. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices right there in Dallas, Texas. The Cowboys, man, as I mentioned, they're 6-2. and two. No one saw this coming. We talked about this on Thursday, and I was like, man, it, it, I was a week ahead of predicting the Cowboys' offense of doing something explosive. I could not put myself picking them to win with 30 points until they showed me, and, well, they did. 42 points from the offense the defensive touchdown makes it 49 a 49 to 29 win in which the Cowboys at least for one week 
looked like they were the offense of last year, putting up 442 yards at 7.8 yards per play. Dude, they were phenomenal on offense, and it started with you-know-who, the quarterback. Uh, he made that thing happen today. He came out sharp. Now, don't forget, I think he was, uh, what, 11 of 13 in the, or 11 of 12 in the fourth quarter for 100 yards uh, and a touchdown against uh, their last opponent, Detroit. Yeah. And so he really just picked up. And what I say is he made a throw early, man, on the third down where he threw a dart to CeeDee Lamb, but it was low just like a foot yeah. off the ground, which is where it needed to be. And that thing was a laser, and I was like, oh, QP1 is back. Um, and I think later on in the court, I tweeted, not that I was breaking any news, like, you know, Dak is in a rhythm, obviously, and um, he's making that thing happen today. Yeah, he was very good today. As poorly as we saw him against Tampa, as poorly as he was for the most part for the duration of the Detroit game until you mentioned the fourth quarter came around, we talked about that after the Detroit game. It felt like late in that game that he had shaken the rust off and he was starting to look a little bit better. And it was obvious that he had arrived today. I thought that he was about as good as you can be in the first half. I don't even know if that interception was fully on him. It looked like he was throwing it to where CeeDee Lamb was going to be, and CeeDee Lamb knew he was going to get lit up over the middle. That was a weird pick that, that Eddie Jackson made a great play on. Like you always like to say, the other team gets paid too. So I thought for the most part, Dak was just very, very good. You look at this. Not only was Dak good throughout the course of the game, you mentioned that one third down pass. They were 9 of 11 on third downs. Seven of those were converted by Dak Prescott. He was 5 of 6 for 85 yards and a touchdown on third down today and picked up another two on third down rushing, including his rushing touchdown that came on a beautiful play, play designed there by Kellen Moore. Dak was about as good as he can play. And if he's going to play this way, this is a very difficult team to beat. No, I think there's a lot of truth to that. And and again, though, and this is where Kellen Moore gets credit and Mike McCarthy overall gets credit. Um, this was a full game. Like, they didn't get a chance to take their, their foot off the gas, you know, until late in the fourth quarter uh, because of the nature of the game and how it was being played and the success that the Bears were having. The point being, 27 pass attempts. Now, even that's a little bit low for me, but... That's the sweet spot for Dak. That's always been Dak's sweet spot. It's like 32 passes, 32 passes or less. He's something like 36 and 8 as a quarterback. Um, you know, because he's got arm talent, but he's not a guy who you need to have throwing the ball all over the field to get the best out of him. Today was really kind of like the best version of Dak, which is kind of what you're saying. Um, he was accurate. Even that pick that he threw, I wasn't all, I mean, it was a good play by the DB because yeah. when you look back and they showed the play from behind, CeeDee Lamb looked like he was open. And the DB made a great break on the ball and went right in front of him. But you would like to see CD put up a little more fight to go break up the interception once it became, you know, once once yeah. he saw the guy closing in. And so I wasn't even mad at the, the interception because it was, it was a very strong throw. There was a decisive throw. It just ended up in a turnover. It was a bad time for a turnover. But – it all made sense to me. It's the interceptions that don't make sense that you like. The fuck are you doing, dog? Yeah, I didn't, yeah. I didn't. Ha I didn't have that reaction when he threw that one. I was just like, uh, oh, it's getting tight now. Yeah, I, I would agree with you, man. I mean, it was at that point of the game where you're just like, okay, all of a sudden this is going to be very, very interesting, and and we'll get into that. But overall, you look at Dak, twenty-one to twenty-seven, two hundred and fifty-two yards, the two touchdowns, obviously the interception as we just mentioned, and. They used him in the ground a little bit. I mean, a couple of those were scrambles that of, of his own. 
but five of 34 for the rushing touchdown. And, and he had, you know, really the 25 yard run where it, I, I've never seen that happen before, where it's obvious a quarterback sneak. Generally speaking, they get their two, three yards or whatever, and nobody came in on the other side of the play to take Dak down, and he just got out of the pile and kept going. But, man, that that opening touchdown, wasn't it the opening touchdown where he ran it in on that play call with yeah. C.D. Lamb in motion, and then it looked like he had a, a read option opportunity? I mean, that was just a gorgeously designed play. Oh, no, I was trying to explain it, but, you know, sometimes you can – I didn't want to get too caught up on it in Twitter, but the thing that made it unique to me was the option part was like an up-the-middle run as opposed to like an off-the-tackle run. And so when he faked it up the middle – the guy really came hard, and then he dipped around side. And to me, it was those two elements that made it a terrific play, plus the fact that they hadn't shown Dak as a runner like that in a minute. You know, really, he hadn't been a, you know, I always thought he should get, because of the way he can run, you know, two or three runs a game at different situations, he'd be really good at it. But they've kind of shied away from that, maybe because of the ankle, maybe because they just don't want to take a chance on him getting hurt or whatever. But that was one of the better plays I've seen. And it was, uh, I mean, you said it, it was it was, it was gorgeous. Yeah, it was. It was absolutely phenomenal. And, man, I mean, right off the bat with that first drive, I mean, they went right down the field on that first drive. It was 11 plays, 75 yards. They had Pollard using him four for 26 on that drive. The second drive, they go right down the field. And, and you, that's the one, you know, the third and nine with the just a gorgeous touchdown pass to CeeDee Lamb. It's 14 to nothing. Then the the Bears are able to get in, and Fields, I mean, my God, Justin Fields is going to be a problem in this league. I mean, that guy, he, there was one where he had a chunk where he ran, where he just pump fake, and Leighton had to drop off. Like, Leighton was coming up to make a play on him. was like, oh, and he had to fall off, and it just allowed Justin Fields to get, like, 15 more yards, and there's nothing Leighton could do. I mean, man, Justin Fields was impressive today. I thought, you know, you you see what the Bears see and, and what the belief is in him. Well, you remember, I thought he was great at Ohio State. I he, mean, was, he was, yeah. great. Ain't no, ain't no thought to it because he's got plenty of arm talent. He's a heck of an athlete. And I think what it has taken, it has taken the Bears this long to figure out how do we play with him and make him effective? How do we use him? And, you know, there's other examples. San Francisco does it without a quarterback who can run. Um, Philadelphia does it with a quarterback who can run. The Ravens do it with a quarterback who can run. There's enough examples out there of you can build a winner like that if you want to play this way with a quarterback like that. And this is all I'm going to say about the Bears. It'll be interesting how they do because they got a defensive head coach in Matt Eberflus. But the running game is signed with the guys that they got, Herbert and Montgomery. That, that's cool. There ain't no problem there. If you add a legitimate receiver – to that group that he's got so that everybody can go down a notch and you get a legitimate receiver, whether you acquire one in free agency or trade for one or take one at the top of the first round, yeah. then you can really play with Justin Fields because he's only going to get better as they figure out how to use him because if that was a normal dude, he'd have been sacked about nine times a day. Yeah, he would have, man. They got all kinds of pressure on Justin Fields. And, I mean, right until the end, I mean, Tank got him on the two-point conversion and then obviously – towards the very very end of the game ended up getting a sack but there were like three or four times where tank had him dead to rights and he just went right past him and i I was gonna tell you go ahead no No. i gotta tell you though daryl johnson made the point and even i even i knew the point 
And so I know they told it to Tank, so I don't know what happened to him today. You're supposed to go at that dude's yeah. outside shoulder so he can't spin. And the only reason I know that is um, back in the day the Cowboys were playing somebody. Maybe it was Russell Wilson, and they say that's how you have to contain Russell Wilson because he'll spin on you. And the only way to make sure you don't get away from him is to attack that angle. And you know who else they used to say that about all the time? Tony Romo. They yeah. say you got to attack the outside shoulder because if you don't, if you get the inside, I promise you, he just spins away. And, you're, and you know, it's not that he was fast, but he was very elusive. Yeah, so it, all in all, I think when you look at this from the offensive side of it, going back to that and the way that this game unfolded, you know, it's really interesting because they had this thing. They had it in the bag. The game was over. It was 28-7. to 7. They had scored four consecutive touchdowns on four straight drives. That was the first time since 2014 that Dallas had touchdowns on their first four drives. The Bears get the ball down 28-7. to They've got a third and three. Oh, the Cowboys stopped them. They're off the field. Oh, no, no, no. Dante Fowler lines up offsides. It gives the Bears life. And they ended up converting a fourth and one on that drive. They converted another third and four on that drive. They had a roughing the passer penalty on Golston on fields, which eliminated an interception. And all of a sudden, you went from 28 to seven, you're there about to punt and give you back the ball to it's 28 to 14. Dak throws a pick. They get a field goal. And it, I mean, like in the blink of an eye, it went from, well, this is going to be a mauling in the second half to holy crap, we got a football game. Yeah, and it was all, to me, and I probably tweeted this three times, that everything was Dante Fowler's fault. Now, I did forgive him later because he played a good game. Uh, But that mistake, man, is just, like, this is one of the few times, like, we all see it when people jump. This was one of the few times I could see it when he was lined up because his hand was across the blue line on the TV. And as soon as the play snapped in the flag, I'm like, oh, defensive offsides. I don't care what happens because this thing is a wrap. And, uh, you know, he did that a couple weeks ago. It's just like, you know, part of being a good player is down and distance awareness. And, you know, when it's third and less than five, you have to watch the hard count. You got to watch how you line up because those are are mistakes that just, I mean, it's basically a turnover because you got the ball. Um, I couldn't even get excited about Trayvon's interception because as the ball was thrown, I could see that. And, you know, like, I understand why Golson was like, what are you talking about? It didn't hit him in the head. Because he really hit him in the chest, at the top of his chest. But that's just how they call it, man, because they treat quarterbacks like chumps. And so, no, bro, they're not. They're going to call that. And so um, in his situation, you just have to take your, your aim, your target just lower. Yeah. Understanding that that's how they're going to do it. You're right, man. And and I was right there with you because I saw that immediately. I was like, well, that's that's coming back. I mean, there, there's no way they didn't flag that. And sure enough, they <laughs> did. I mean, you know, I, I mean, that's just where it is in the NFL these days. We all know that you nine times out of 10, it feels like if you don't if you hit the quarterback high like that, it doesn't matter what the deal is. They're going to they're going to flag you. And he got yeah, flagged. So he- no, and you got to know that and accept it and uh, deal with it. And that's part of what it is. The other side of this is we stay with the offense is what Tony Pollard did, man. And, and we what's interesting about this is I had multiple people that were sending me messages. Oh, they freed Tony Pollard. Look at them. They're finally using Tony Pollard. I was like, you guys realize this is exactly how they use Tony Pollard when Zeke is playing, right? It's just that instead of Zeke being the first back out there, it's Tony Pollard. 
He had 14 carries today. That is what he has gotten. That ties his career high. He was very effective on that. And they used Malik Davis at the end and kind of draining out the clock. But what they did with Tony Pollard today really is not that drastically different at all than what they've been doing this season with Tony Pollard. No, it, it isn't at all. And did you see how they gave him a rest on one of those series because he used CeeDee Lamb in the backfield? It's kind of a, uh, a decoy, and they yeah. went with two tight ends uh, or three tight ends with CeeDee Lamb in the backfield and, and got it that way. So, so Kellen Moore was very creative today. It was one of his better game plans, one of his best game plans overall. But Tony Pollard, man, he's just – he's that dude. He I is? mean, he's, he's playing – check this out, Doug. Like he's a college football player. Because the way he played, like you just don't see dudes in the NFL have this many big runs. Yeah. Uh, but he's electric. Um, and, dude, when he gets one-on-one in the secondary, bro, like what was that play early in the game? I think it was 16 yards. But he almost took that one to the house um, because it was off right tackle. And the guy in the hole got him. And if he doesn't get him, he's gone, you know, 60, 70 yards. And he's kind of like that, man, every play. If you don't if you don't have him contained, he is that guy who can take you to the house. Yeah, he is. And then you look at this now for the season, obviously, last week he had twelve carries against the Lions. He had eleven against the Eagles. He had thirteen against the Giants. So the fourteen would be one higher than what he had against the Giants when he had thirteen for one oh five back in week three. You know, but he had he had whatever it was, I think fourteen touches last week, thirteen the week before. So you throw in the one reception that he had today, and the 15 touches would be a high for him this season, but it's not astronomical. And I think there's, it sounded like there was a lot of thought from people that Tony Pollard was going to get like 20-plus carries, and it it feels like the Cowboys, regardless of the fact that Zeke wasn't in there, view Tony Pollard most effective in that range of which he was in again today. I mean, I don't see, I don't see why they wouldn't. He's, uh, he's been sensational. I mean, he's been doing this for a minute, man. The, uh, the long plays, the touchdowns, it's, uh, he's, a, he's a big play every time he touches the ball. Uh, but here's the deal, and here's what, people don't get, here's what people don't think about when they're talking about this. You want this dude to have the same explosion, the same freshness, the same energy the whole season. Yeah. You don't want to give him 24 carries this week, 19 next week. 21 a week after that and then you get to December and you go wow what happened to Tony Pollard where's the explosion plus check this out man this position is what Matt it's a collision position the more times he gets it the more opportunities he has to get hurt to get banged up to have something freaky happen like what happened to Zeke and so because he is your most explosive offensive player handle with care and they're doing that so I got no problem with him because now he's getting his 12 to 14 a game it's pretty much 50 50 with Zeke pretty much um when it's not it's typically because they both kind of have roles yeah and today what happened they were nine to ten on third down so what happened they had more plays yeah and then it, it worked I mean it was efficient as hell today offensively man I mean Pollard his three touchdowns 14 of one th- for 131 Malik Davis came in and, and was eight for 23 you know, C.D. Lamb got involved five for 77. Dalton had six for 74. Michael Gallup had four for 49, all in the first half, all early 
it felt like they really wanted to make an effort to get Gallup involved very quickly and very early after only the two targets last week. And I will say, I, I really like the way that Kellen Moore scripted out, especially that first drive that kind of allowed Dak to get some positive plays. You know, they were talking about it on the broadcast. You got some positive plays. You got some easy throws. You got some momentum going. And man, they just... I mean, this is, I thought that that opening drive was the best drive we'd seen from this team all year. And obviously this is the best overall offensive performance. There's no doubt about that. No, remember, I mean, they've been struggling to hit 20 points, bro. Yeah, I know. Um, right, yeah. So this is an offensive explosion. And I was wrong. They didn't have as many plays because uh, I looked at time of possession. The Bears kept it for 36 yeah. minutes. So they only had the ball 57 plays in 23 minutes. So to come up with 400 yards is uh, insane. Yeah, man. I mean, they were just moving it. And, and you get to that point, and, and this is where, oh, what was the play? And I think you you might have mentioned this on Twitter as well. That pass that they hit where it was, I think at that point, oh. it's 28 to 23, if I remember right. Yeah. and it's tell you exactly a, where it was. It was a third and nine on that seventh drive of the game for Dallas. Yeah, it's 28-23. You're right. It's third and nine. 9.06 left in the third quarter. And I'm like, you know, because I'm having this conversation with myself. I go, you know, bro. <laughs> no, really. I was like, you know, bro, if they don't get this, we ain't seen no recent indication that they can stop the Bears mm-hmm. who got all this momentum. Um, and so I remember I, I tweeted something like um, somebody for the Cowboys got to step up and make a play. So they take – and I – I've I've been around coaches too long because I've been hanging out at Jackson State so long. Um, that it's not that it's not really momentum. Yeah. It's really the emotion of the game is all one side, and so those guys are playing better. It's like if you hit an energy boost on Madden or something. They're just playing better than they really are right now because they're hyped and they're confident and they feel great about what they're doing. And so something has to happen for you to take that energy away from them. And on this particular case. It was uh, Dak hitting Dalton Schultz with a 30-yard completion. And, bro, I started to look it up and then something happened. I bet that's probably a career-long completion for him. For Dalton Schultz? Has he had one longer than 30 yards? Man, surely. I mean, that, that, I mean. You say surely, but I'm like, dog. I mean, to your point, he does kind of chunk his way down the field, but he had some games where he put up a number from time to time. Okay, well, we talk, I'm going to look. Yeah, I was it. looking it up right now myself. <laughs> now, it's, now, now it's bothering me. Because I was like, surely, like, we got to figure out, is that the longest reception that he has ever had? That would be 30 yards is, I mean, it's, it's very, very possible. Let's see here. Let's see if I can find it. You know, because we're talking about a guy whose who's, um, best game is 88 yards. So he hadn't had a lot okay. of uh, a lot of things. Yeah. Okay. He had a 32-yard catch uh, last year at one point, and that is the longest catch that he's ever had. So you're not far off with the 30. Okay. 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 So that's probably <laughs> the second longest catch of his career. Don't sleep on your boy now. Yeah, man. And okay. And then apparently in the playoff game last year against San Francisco, he had a 38-yard reception. Okay, I don't even remember that. I don't remember that either, but there you go. They got their ass kicked to to such a degree that 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 has slipped my mind. You've written uh, that completely out of your memory. 
Yeah, plus we're only talking about regular season. So. Yeah, yeah, so that doesn't count. So close enough, man. But yeah, the offense was very, very good. I mean, just a fantastic performance all the way around. And if they can get some of this momentum and bottle this up and can and, and keep that type of balance, the run game working very, very well, Dak playing the way that he played, they're going to beat some people, man. It, it was impressive. The flip okay. side of that is is what we saw from the defense, and we got to get into that as I know many of you want to discuss, and we will. We also want to tell you about Bruce Biltong continuing to make the podcast possible. All of our sponsors, the five sponsors that we have right now, continue to allow us to do this. And, and, you know, we really appreciate what they do, helping the podcast grow, and we appreciate you guys supporting them because it supports us. And Bruce Biltong, we're the only podcast he's ever worked with. If you like beef jerky, you're going to love Biltong. It is very, very good. It is a tender, more savory, very similar to beef jerky. But beef jerky is so hard to chew. And Biltong, man, is not hard to chew at all. It's delicious. It's healthy. And it's online at bruisebiltong.com. Dude, Biltong is, it's outerworldly, bro. And here's why. It's got everything that you want from beef jerky, like flavor and all this stuff. But the texture is so much different. It's a, uh, I know it's hard for y'all to imagine, but it's like this succulent stuff. You know, I, I rock with the sliced built tongue more than anything. But it's succulent. It's juicy. I know we're talking about, you know, South African dried meat. But here I am talking about succulent and juicy. It's savory. It's, it's amazing. But it's delicious. And check this out now. For you guys trying to watch your weight. You know how your boy is. Um, 230 calories. 30 grams of protein, two ounce pouch. You can't really do it much better than that. No, you can't. It's bruisebiltong.com. It's B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G. Go order a bag or two of Bruise Biltong for yourself to snack on. And make sure you use that promo code JAM15 at checkout. That's J-A-M-15. And you'll get 15% off your order. Also, of course, our good partners at Freeway Tire Shop, man, JR and his crew, we found it. We found the place where you take your car, the mechanic you can trust. He stands behind his work, which is why anytime that you need work on your vehicle, Jacques can tell you better than anybody, you got to get over there to Freeway Tire Shop. No, nah, man, it's, it's a must. Now, listen to me. It's just down the street, five miles, uh, five minutes north of downtown, right off of 35 in Commonwealth. And it's worth making the trip over there. Because if you take your car there, you can trust JR to do several things. And number one is to listen, find out what's wrong with your car. Number two, you trust him to use quality parts to fix said issue with your car. And my favorite really is that you can trust him to charge you a fair price. Because we all know every mechanic doesn't do that. They upcharge you because what you going to do? You need your car fixed. And then lastly, you can trust him to stand behind his work, man. These, I mean, these all fit together like hand and glove, as we say. But they're all important, and they're all why I rock with JR. It's the way to do it, man. It's Freeway Tire Shop. You can find them online. Request a quote, schedule an appointment at freewaytireshop.com. The flip side, the Cowboys offense, we just told you about them, man. 442 yards today, obviously putting up gobs of points. The Cowboys defense, while they did have the defensive touchdown that really, I thought, kind of put the game out of reach at that point when... You know, we just talked about that touchdown pass, or not the touchdown pass, the 30-yard pass to Dak Schultz, Dalton Schultz, Jesus. And that ended up making it 35-23. to It was that very next possession where Leighton causes the fumble and Micah picks it up and returns it for a touchdown that got it to 42-23. to 
on one of the weirdest plays I've ever, I have no idea how in the world Justin Fields didn't get a foot on him, a hand on him, something as he ran by. <laughs> like, it, I guess Justin Fields thought he was in college and that the guy was down and thought he would get a penalty or something if he ran into him. I bet he did have that flashback. Because remember, he's only two years out of college. Right, I yeah. bet he had that flashback. And it's probably, you know, the other thing is, if you think about where it was on the field, he probably hadn't had that much experience with it being like that, where he's way down the field doing something like that. And so, you know, his natural instinct was like, oh, let me not run into him. Let me hop over. I guess so, man. But I will say that is one of the best defensive plays that you will ever see a player make. Micah Parsons, who was way behind the play when that ball happens, and he 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 was getting held on that play, which he got held a bunch today. And I guess they've just decided, well, we can't call holding every play or the game will never end. So, you know, Micah Parsons fighting through that. Then he gets back into the play, comes from behind all the way from like 20 yards away. So when the ball's free, he scoops it up and then has this reality or somehow he realizes that he wasn't touched and runs it back into the end zone to really ice the game for the Cowboys with that play. Dude, I mean, that play was so good. I sent it to a couple of coaches to say, hey, I know you talk about this quite a bit. You can, you know, however you want to use this to show it to your kids, do so because it's about relentless effort because the thing that struck me on a replay is he was literally at the 10 yard line facing the end zone his face was facing the end zone when the ball was released so he immediately stops turns and chases the ball now what are the odds that he's going to make the tackle in that play slim and none yeah because so far away but his natural instinct, his only instinct is to, oh, the play's going on, let me turn and haul ass that way. Just so happens that the ball pops out and he's there to recover it. And then he has the presence of mind to go, hey, nobody's touched me. Because I'm like, surely he's gotten touched. Like, it just looked like he got touched. Uh, and then he rumbles into the end zone. I'm just like, and then when it called touchdown, I'm just like, oh, my God, what a play. And, uh, you know, I had a conversation about him the other day with Dennis Thurman, uh, who's Jackson State's defensive coordinator and who is uh, who played for the Cowboys when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, it's still on the, you know, top three or four list on all-time interceptions on the Cowboys. Damn. Uh, but we were talking, because I think he had 36, but we were talking about Micah Parsons, because I think the Cowboys are his favorite team since he played for them for so long. And he's just like, he's just relentless. And you can, that's greatness because you can't coach him to play that hard every play. And that's what makes him special because when you add that kind of effort to the talent, that's why you get what you get. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it is that, – that play was just – that is – you broke it down, man. I mean, that is the example that when he wins Defensive Player of the Year this, this year, they're going to throw that up as the highlight play. And obviously his ability – he didn't have any sacks today, but was constantly back there. The focus that the deep, that the offensive line gives to him that allows some of those other guys to make some plays like that, it's just incredible. I mean, the defense did have four sacks. Curse had one, Fowler had one, Tank had one, and Odigizua had one, the, the first one. They had a few passes defense. They hit fields often. They pressured him a bunch. But, man, this run defense... This run defense, and, and look, the Bears are a good running team. They came in as the best team in the NFL at running the football. 
averaging 181 yards a game. They ran for 240 on the Cowboys at 5.6 yards per attempt. Yeah, I'm. You know, I um, that's interesting to me. Um, and I was trying to figure out how to explain it because they did all of that, but they didn't score enough points. You know what I'm saying? Like you, and that's the only problem with running the ball. Um, is you can run the ball and it's good, it's really good, but at the end of the day, you got to be able to score some points with it. And they just couldn't get enough points out of their running game. And when you shorten a game like that, every time you don't convert, it's a big deal. And the reality, now this is just me, is once they got down 49, whatever it was, 29, yeah, or 23 or whatever it was, they're still running the ball. And I'm sure the Cowboys are like, okay, as long as we don't give up an 80-yard touchdown, you can keep running the ball because – you know, you're shortening the game. You're not even giving yourself a real chance to win the game because you're still running the ball and you're taking up time off the clock. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, and, and that's exactly what happened, obviously. I mean, you look at this. It was interesting because they did get gashed a few times, and we, we saw multiple runs where the Bears were able to have success. I mean, even while this was still a game, I mean, you look at that first touchdown drive that they had where they had a few of – and part of that also, I mean, you have to – some of that was how in the world do you defend Justin Fields? You know, because he had so many plays. I mean, Justin Fields had 60 of those rushing yards. And then Khalil Herbert had the one where he had the 36-yarder late in the game where they were able to get him out of bounds. But, I mean, Justin Fields had multiple scrambles that went for like 10 yards, 14 yards, 15 yards. I had a couple of things on a third down. we like, man. And it's the Cowboys do everything right. They got pressure on him. And, I mean, how are you going to get this guy? I don't know. No, I mean, he's, you know, we, I mean, you had the same conversation when you're talking about Lamar Jackson, like, yeah. how are we going to get pressure? Uh, you know what? This is interesting. I need to go back and check. Because remember I told you the other day, I was talking to a defensive guy who said, you need to send five-man pressure at him to help eliminate some of those running lanes. And I don't think they did a lot of that. I think they did a lot of four-man. And Demarcus Lawrence came free a thousand times and only got him a couple times. Yeah, I mean, that's exact. that happened quite often. And, you know, they did get gashed. They definitely had, I mean, they, again, it wasn't just Justin Fields. As I mentioned, Herbert had the 36-yarder, had another one that was a long one. Montgomery had a 10-yard run at a time. Velas Jones had one for 18 and one for 15. And they, they kind of chunked their way down the field a couple of times in the run game. But to your point, I think as the game went on, the Cowboys were like, okay, run the ball. I mean, what do we care? Drain the clock. Have fun. Yeah, well, see, see, I'm checking this out now. So it's 49-29 with 10 minutes left. Herbert gets that big run, 36 yeah. yards up the middle. But then Herbert for two, Herbert for three. Um, then they throw one pass. There's a sack. There's a pass. But then there's another run, short pass, a sack. I mean, it's just there. You have the whole point of um, getting ahead of teams like this is you force them to throw the ball and make them one-dimensional. Now, I get the Bears some credit for being stubborn with what they do. But at a certain point, bro, you still got to run that thing. I mean, you got to throw that thing to get back in the game if you're really trying to win. Yeah. Because it, were you were you listening at the point where um, – who was that? One of the uh, – I guess it was Adam Amin. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Is. 
he goes, it, I think they're just running plays to get reps. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. he's like, they don't look like they're trying to throw the ball and, and figure out how to come make this, make this miraculous comeback. Yeah, that's very true, and he, and he was right. I mean, it got to a point where you knew that, that it was over because, and we talked about that last week, this is a team that's not going, they don't have anybody you fear receiving-wise. It was all about the running game. And we knew that the Bears were going to come in and want to run and run and run and see if, you know, really what the Bears want to do is kind of what the – we talked about this. They want to be able to run, and they want their defense to hold you so that they can drain the clock and their rushing attack can keep your offense off the field. And when it's on the field, they want their defense to make plays. The Cowboys just did it a hell of a lot better than the Bears did today. And I had a comment. I had one of my, one of my colleagues in the media business hit me up. And we were texting back and forth when the score was 28-7. to 7. And he goes, I just don't trust the Cowboys. I've seen them enough over the years. And I'm like, dude, this team is not giving up 29 points to this offense. Because it was 28-7 to 7 at the time. Yeah. Then, of course, when it's 28-23, I go, perhaps you were right. But it ends up ultimately that what, man? They did not give up 29 points. And so, you know, they live to, to play another day. Yeah, that's that's very, very true. And you look at it now, the Cowboys all in all at the end of the day pull out with a 49 to 29 win. And I mean, reality of it is, like you mentioned it earlier, the Bears had the ball for over 36 minutes. So when you have the ball that much and you run 71 plays, you're going to put up a number. I mean, I think it is somewhat concerning that they did run for 5.6 yards in attempt. You want that number to come down and you know, there's a lot of our listeners on Twitter that are irritated about what they saw from the run defense, and we have seen that be somewhat of a problem in games prior to this. But again, all in all, this is a really, really good defense, and this is really only the first time in eight games of the season that the defense needed the offense to help them out a little bit more. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, it's. I'm, I'm going to do a deeper dive in the next couple of days. So I get a real feel for the running game because, I mean, they did give up a lot of 10-yard runs and stuff. But I got I, I break it down. You know, I still don't – it still doesn't bother me that, that Daniel Jones ran for so much because a lot of that was scrambling. But yeah. that is part of the game. Um, Justin Fields had 60 yards, and he had another 40 or 50-yard run called back. And most of his was scrambles. Most of his was not designed runs today. And so – I would submit to you that they'll probably have some drills where they, they work on those spins coming up for, for a few opponents in the future, but uh, namely Jalen Hurts down the road because the rest of it is they don't have that many uh, running quarterbacks left. Yeah, that's very true, and, and, and I think that that is a very unique, like you're talking about, challenge for any team to have to face like that. And, and you know, is it perfect? No, but again, that's what we like to do. Everybody, all the fans want to nitpick and be irritated about it. And, and well, this happened and this happened. You know, I had somebody reach out and go, oh, the Cowboys are about to lose to the Bears. And I was like, I mean, based on what? Because they got down 20, it was 28 to 23, and then they, they thumped them the rest of the way. So, again, that's why you play all four quarters. And, and I thought, all in all, this was a, a positive step in the right direction, especially for this offense today. The fact that you're 6-2, and two, and you look at what they have coming up. You get, you get into the bye. Hopefully, Donovan Wilson isn't seriously injured. And some of the guys that had to leave the game and are banged up, you get a week of rest. And then you got the Packers on the road. And the Packers have not been good this year. 
Then you get the Vikings, who are one of the teams ahead of you technically in the NFC because they're 6-1. and one. And then Giants, Colts, Texans, three games in a row at home that are all winnable again. So th- this, is, this is exactly where I think you want to be at the bye. 6-2, and two, you take that every time. I mean, who can complain about that, really, considering you lost your quarterback for five weeks? Um, and they had a lot of injuries today. You know, Sam yeah. Williams didn't play, Zeke yeah. didn't play, Hooker didn't play. And uh, somebody else have note. Oh, Noah Brown didn't play, uh, and they 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 stood up and handled it well. If I was a fan, I would feel better about this team than I felt about some other teams, because I keep telling y'all, and some of y'all ain't paying attention, but I keep telling y'all, you really can win with defense and special teams. And so if your offense will just you know, if they could build off of this and get to the point where they're scoring 24, 27 a game, you know, they could be really, really a problem because their defense most weeks is not going to give up 24 points a game. And when you look at the, the opponents that they have left, you know, teams like Washington and the Giants and the Colts and the Texans and the Jags, um, and ten, even Tennessee is just okay. They're not special. Yeah. Um, there's a chance to win a lot of games. You know, Philadelphia would be tough, but as we discussed, that's going to probably, in Dallas with Dak, be a fourth-quarter game, and we'll see if they can get it done. Uh, there's a chance to win a lot of games, man, uh, because they're playing two-week divisions. Like the Packers are dangerous because they got Aaron Rodgers, but they probably will get smoked tonight. And then you'll have a week off to prep for them, you know, and uh, nobody's afraid of the Vikings with Kirk Cousins because he's not going anywhere and your pass rush is good. So, no, they'll lose another couple of games this year. Uh, but if they just beat the teams they're supposed to beat, I mean, like they're really supposed to beat, they'll be in a hunt, man, because they're going to win 12 games or so. Yeah, I would agree. And, and that is the path that this team is on. And I saw... Todd Archer put this out, our buddy, on Twitter earlier today. This is the 11th time that they've started six or two or better in Jerry Jones' time as an owner. They've made the playoffs the previous 10 times. So barring some sort of unforeseen collapse and calamity, this is a playoff team, the Dallas Cowboys. Now it becomes, do you have what you need? And we've talked about this a million times. And apparently Trey just likes to make stuff up, but... You and I both have said the Eagles are the best team right now in the NFC. We both picked the Eagles to win the NFC East before the season began. And yet here's Trey on Twitter saying week after week, you say they still need to show you something. Time to give them respect. They haven't beaten anyone, blah, blah. And all. I was like, when do we say that? The Eagles are the best team in the NFC. They're 7-0. and <laughs> Jacques picked them to go to the Super Bowl. And I also picked them to win the division. I think they're a better team than the Cowboys. Now, can that change? Can the Cowboys beat them? Sure, but they didn't, and they're going to have to show that they can. We'll see what happens when they play again in Dallas later on in the season, but I fully expect the Cowboys to make the playoffs, especially at this point. I mean, you would have to have colossal collapse for this not to be a playoff team. And I don't, again, I don't know that they're winning the division. I, I haven't seen anything from the Eagles that leads me to believe that they're still not the best team in the East, and Jalen Hurts is playing on a different planet right now. But we'll see. We'll see how the season turns out. And the Cowboys are right where you would want to be. I mean, 6-2 and two, when you lost your QB1 for as many weeks as the Cowboys did. I, we take that and we enjoy the bye week. 
Yeah, and get ready for Green Bay because, um, you know, what makes this this team different is they're built around defense. And we all know defense travels. Defense can deal with the cold. And they have a legitimate superstar on defense. And they got a couple other stars. One is aging in Demarcus Lawrence, but he's having a really good year. And Trayvon Diggs, he got beat today. But check this out. This was probably the first time I remember in a minute him really getting beat on a route. Uh, oh, my. Guess who's having a field day today, bro? Who is it? Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, he, he went bonkers. I saw earlier that he was going bonkers when he threw that touchdown pass, and then he had a couple of oh, nice – I didn't even see that. I didn't even see that, but he just caught a touchdown pass, and then he just went, what is this, 25 yards and scored on a touchdown run. And um, we're taking an exit rant, which is what we can do on our podcast. But he's doing exactly why they got him. Got that great running offense, but now you put a dynamic runner in it, and it's Mm -hmm. just a different thing. Yeah, man, it is. I mean, to your point on that, you look at this. Christian, I know this is like a total random tangent in the middle of that Cowboys chat, but here it is. Christian McCaffrey, one pass for 34 yards and a touchdown. 12 carries for 78 yards and a touchdown. Eight receptions for 55 yards and a touchdown. Now, you know who I'm giving all that love to besides McCaffrey? Kyle Shanahan? Freaking Kyle Shanahan doing what you're supposed to do with your best dude. I mean. Video game in his ass. Yeah, and then, you know, the other thing is, and we talk about that all the time, Shanahan using him, and we talk about Cooper Cup all the time, seven for 73 and a touchdown today on 11 targets. I mean, you can't stop him and you can't stop McCaffrey. And we all knew, everybody said, man, McCaffrey and a Kyle Shanahan offense, my God. And you're seeing it. Oh, yeah, bro. His only question will be, can he stay healthy? That's the only question. Yep, and he has struggled with that in his career, but he's been healthy so far this season. You know, you elsewhere, you, you kind of look around the NFL a little bit, and one of the things that was wonky as hell to me, did you see the very end of the Dallas game? They, they gave us that extra coverage, or at least they did here in Birmingham, of Atlanta bro. and Carolina. Bro, yeah, you tell me about it, and then I'm going to tell you about it. Because DJ Moore, basically with essentially time expiring, breaks free on a route, gets behind the defense. P.J. Walker drops a dime for a 64-yard touchdown that ties the game. You kick an extra point, and Carolina would win. But DJ Moore takes his helmet off in the field of play, which is an automatic 15-yard unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. So it makes the extra point a 48-yard extra point, and the kicker misses it, and then Carolina ends up losing in overtime. Bro, I was actually watching it when it happened, and I go instantly like, dude, you just got a 15-yard penalty. Yep, It's the Emmitt Smith rule because Emmitt used to snatch his helmet off every time he scored a touchdown. And while I love Emmitt Smith, it's it's that play when you snatch a helmet off is a what? Look at me. Let me take my helmet off so you can see my face and see that <laughs> I am that 12-letter cuss word. Uh, but how long has Emmitt Smith been retired? Man, like I almost he's been almost retired for what, eight, years, 18 bro. years? Yeah. Almost 20 years, bro. The rule been in effect for a minute. Everybody knows this shit. <laughs> so you just can't be wilding out, man, because you're excited. That's about discipline, man. Discipline. 
it's pretty special, dude. I mean, it, it is, you know, I mean, one of those things like when you see that and it's just like, I cannot believe that you did that. And then, you know, he's laughing about it on the sideline and stuff. I was like, it's not funny, man. I mean, you, you, you guys lost against a divisional rival in a game. You know, that that NFC South is trash. I mean, it, that yeah. is, I don't know what the hell happened to the NFC South because Tampa Bay and Tom look like they're done. But my God, that division's not good. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, but I, I thought it was more of an embarrassing, I can't believe I screwed up chuckle. Yeah, it could be. Maybe it was. Sucks for yeah, him. Like, yeah, but uh, dude, that's one of the all-time stupid plays. Yeah, it was. And, and elsewhere around the league, Detroit had a big lead on Miami and coughed that up. And man, Detroit 1-6 and six now. But you Detroit. look at it. Dude, did you see the numbers on this? Because Tua, everybody's like, oh, I don't know about Tua, man. Having to go Tyreek Hill, he's done. Tyreek Hill had 12 for 188, and Jalen Waddell had 8 for 106. I think they're all right. Here's the deal, bro. Now, it's just your boy. Detroit will be fine, I think, because they seem to me to be a team that just doesn't know how to win yet. And so as you continue to – because I think Dan Campbell will build – will get that energy in there and get it right. But as you, but you got to have better players too. You just can't have it. You got to have better players. And as they get better players over the next year or so or two, I think they'll actually be okay because they're winning games for a half or for three quarters. They just don't know how to finish. Yeah. And as they get more experience, they'll learn how to finish. And uh, I like him because he's himself. He's different. He's his own guy. And so I actually hope he has some success. Yeah, I, I being, do too. That, that being said, um, the Dolphins did. Now they paid for it. What you should do for a young quarterback? Surround his ass with weapons. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's it's working for them, man. I mean, it, they've got pieces in Miami, and Miami is now 5-3. and three. You know, obviously, Sunday night football, we'll see what happens with Green Bay and Buffalo, and that'll give you a chance. I, I the, from what we've seen from Green Bay right now, I fully expect them to lose to Buffalo and be three and five. The Green Bay Packers are very well on the way to a three and five start, which, of course, if that's the case, they then go to Detroit next week. So we're looking at a team, if they lose today, is going to come into Dallas when they host Dallas. They'll have a losing record guaranteed, even if they beat the Lions. You know, they'd be four and five most likely. And they just, I mean... Right now, based on what I've seen from the Cowboys and based on what we've seen from the Packers this season, I'd pick the Cowboys to beat the Packers. Yeah, I need a little more evidence, but yeah, I would lean that way just because you think that their defense um, will help them, you know, secure a victory. But, you know, we've seen Aaron Rodgers do a lot of great things. Uh, now, his receivers are down, and he doesn't have a lot of confidence in the yeah. scheme. Mm -hmm. But that don't mean that on a given night he can't light you up for 450 and four touchdowns. That's true, man. I mean, it, it, on any given night, he could be Jalen Hurts. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, J Jalen Hurts went bonkers today. He had, I think it was A.J. Brown had three touchdown receptions in the first half, and Jalen Hurts had 285 with four touchdowns today. And the Eagles were up so big in the fourth quarter, they pulled Hurts, and Gardner Minshew came in and finished the game. Hey, the Eagles did what you should do to a bad team. Um I mean, I can't really say anything. They whipped their ass. And, and you know what else yeah, the Eagles did? The Eagles <laughs> did what Miami mean. did. They went out and they got their quarterback, a dynamic number one wide receiver in A.J. Brown, who had six for 156 today. 
Yes, sir. I mean, that's the way that this thing works. And then the Eagles, you know, it's not like Robert Quinn, like we talked about that. Not like he's going to step in and be dominant. As a matter of fact, Robert Quinn today uh, did play, had one quarterback hit, and that's all he registered. I'll be curious to see if anything happens this week with the Cowboys. If they look at anything and they look around the league and they believe they've got a chance to go for it, if there's somebody out there before the trade deadline comes on Tuesday afternoon that the Cowboys may just shock us all and pull off a deal for. That's what they should do, whether it's a wide receiver or whether it's another corner. Because now you've seen, you don't want boss man fat in the game. Um, You know, and so if you can get another corner, because if you, and the problem is not that you need another corner, it's if you have an injury, now you're hosed. So it's about protecting yourself from injury because Jordan Lewis is out for the year. So you're fine with, like, I like Deron Bland. I think he's fine. But now you're, you're thin at corner. So if you can find one and the price is right, go make a move because there's a chance to win this year. There's nobody in the NFC that says, oh, my God, uh, they're a monster. They're the 85 Bears. They're the 92 Cowboys. That team don't exist. So you have a chance to win. So take advantage of it. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. And I would love to see them do that. We'll see. As we're recording this, the Giants and the Seahawks are in a fight. If the Giants win, somehow the New York Giants would be 7-1. and one. I believe in the New York Giants about as much as I believe in TCU. Uh, that's fair. You know, I talked to a New York Giants fan yesterday uh, for about 20 minutes. And he kept saying, oh, they're winning, but they suck. <laughs> I mean, it's hard not to disagree. I mean, the, I just, I don't get it. I don't understand what it is that, that the Giants do so well, yet somehow they keep winning unless they play the Cowboys who beat them. No, I, see, I don't think it's anything that they do so well. I think it's that they don't make a lot of mistakes and they literally have a pretty good coach and coaching matters. And when you got a pretty good coach, um, you know, you can get some things done and then guys start to believe in what you're saying and what you're preaching. And, you know, the buy-in is so good that, that it gets things done. Seattle yeah. just scored. Okay, so we'll see if the Giants can overcome that. If not, then the Cowboys and the Giants would be at 6-2. and two. The Cowboys beat the Giants, so they would be technically in third place in the NFC. What's interesting about the Giants this year They beat the Titans by one point, the Panthers by three points, the Packers by five, the Ravens by four, the Jags by six, and the Bears by eight. Every single one of their wins is by one score. So they're they're somehow squeaking by, team. So we'll see if they're able to pull it off against Seattle, as as you just mentioned, Seattle now, and and maybe we'll know by the end of the podcast, who knows? Looks like Washington's going to lose today. They're trash. Nobody cares about them. But man... (laughs) When you look out across the landscape of the NFC, I mean, again, I I think I can't remember. Oh, I know. I had Tampa Bay in the freaking NFC title game against Minnesota was my random pick. And Minnesota's six and one. You had the Eagles in the Super Bowl. They're seven and oh. The Cowboys are six and two. And then, I mean, you look right behind them and it just doesn't make any sense. The Seahawks, if they win, will be five and three. The Falcons are four and four. The Rams are well on their way to being three and four. The 49ers would be four and four. The Packers could be three and five after tonight. The Bucks are three and five. The Cardinals, I, I just, they're three and five. It's, this is, I mean, it's the NFL. And we say this every week, man, but when you look at it, it just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. The NFC does not make sense. No, uh, but you know what happened is teams are just jockeying right now. 
And so the way I look at it, it looks to me, again, they're just jockeying, like San Francisco's about to make a move because their division is really not that great. And I don't believe in the Seahawks. Yeah. Um, you know, that, you know, it looks like Minnesota to me is the class of that division, whatever that means. We'll see them in a few weeks and we'll have a much better idea. You know, that other division is trash. And then it's the Cowboys and the Giants and the Eagles. I can see all three of them making the playoffs because what do we talk about all the time? It's a numbers game. If you can avoid catastrophic injury to your key players, which affects your ability to stack wins, it's like the Giants. It's a numbers game. And the Giants are playing, you know, the same level of bad teams on the roster left because they're playing the NFC North and the AFC South. Yeah. That um, they can they can stack them this year. They can stack them. We'll see if they do that. By the way, how about this note on Christian McCaffrey? He's the first player since LaDainian Tomlinson 17 years ago with a pass touchdown, rush touchdown, and reception touchdown in the same game. And he's going to tell me Sammy Ball. <laughs> yeah, like going all the way back. He's the first player with 30 passing yards, rushing yards, and receiving yards in a single game since he last did it back in 2018. Man, Christian McCaffrey, when he got that call that he was being traded from Carolina, he must have just cried with joy. (laughs) Getting out of that just horrible, boring offense that doesn't work, and it wasn't his thing in Carolina. So it, it it feels like he has been freed. Something else you'll cry from joy is with HFX Foundation Solutions. You probably have noticed after the crazy summer that Texas experienced, You probably are like, oh, my God, there's some cracks. There's some sticking doors. And you don't know what to do. Well, now you realize, oh, all I got to do is call HFX Foundation Solutions. Aaron and his crew, they're family-owned and operated. They'll come out, and it's a free, no-obligation inspection. And they're going to check it out for you and see what's going on. Why is this happening to you? Reality of it is, if you catch it early, if you do have a problem, it'll save you thousands of dollars in the long run. Do not mess around with your foundation. You got to give HFX Foundation Solutions a call. There's a reason why we call it the colonoscopy for the crib, man. It gives you peace of mind, just like a colonoscopy gives you peace of mind. And so all you got to do is give Aaron's team a call and say, hey, I'd like a colonoscopy for my crib. And they'll go in, they'll check it out. They'll, They'll give you, hopefully, that clean bill of health. And if they don't, chances are they found something early and they go, hey, got it early. All it takes is this, this, and this, and we're done. And you can have that peace of mind. So give them a call and get what you deserve. Peace of mind. It is the way to do it. 817-770-0174 or online at hfxfoundation.com. So as we wrap up, and then we'll be spending a lot of time here in the bye week talking Cowboys and some of the things. And, and who knows what will jump out as the NFL season continues. But you had quite the unique experience, and we talked about this on the podcast that dropped on Friday. You're in Jackson, college game day for the first time ever at Jackson State at an HBCU. It was nuts. It was bonkers. How was the experience on the ground being a part of that this weekend? It was wild, bro, and it was lit. Um, I mean, you know, the excitement around campus was just, uh, I mean, it was palatable, as they say, Uh, thick. It was fun. Um, the thing Dion kept telling his players is, I don't really think y'all, you know, really understand what, what we got going on here, what, what you have a chance to do. Um, you know, because they're so young, you know, you can be so young that, you know, historic moments just kind of walk past you. Yeah. Um, but uh, they stepped up to the moment. 
uh, delivered a good game. And, uh, you know, the so I went by there on um, Saturday morning. I forgot what day it was. I've been doing a lot. <clears throat> and, you know, the game day set because the show starts at 8. And uh, I was going to be on Countdown to Game Day, which is a digital show on, uh, you know, the app and YouTube and all this other stuff. Uh, I was going to be on at 7.30. I mean, that show starts at 7.30. So so I had to get there at like 7 o'clock. But, dude, because I was also writing a story for uh, Anscape about game day being on Jackson State's campus, I rolled in, man, at about 4 o'clock. And it was, uh, there were people already starting to show up, man, at about 4.30, 4.45. And I figured out that's because if you're going to be there, you know, a certain element wants to be in the first row because they get 90% of the TV time. People in the second row, you know, may get, you know, the other 10%. Uh, but it was, it was, dude, it was wild, up close and personal. Now, what's funny is, and I hope I'm not taking y'all too far behind the curtain, is what's funny is, bro, you know, they have the, they have a couple cameramen there who are panning the front row or the first two rows at various times during yeah. the show. And they give you that sign, bro. Thumbs up, make some noise, clap, clap, get loud, get rowdy. And the crowd responds. And then something happened, the dude put the thumbs down, and they started booing because that's what he wanted at that particular moment. So it's funny how they kind of orchestrated in one way. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome, dude. <laughs> But but you know it's it's just a it was a wild it was a good yeah. time and they got a real DJ like they had this dude named Rob Swift out of New York City who's really a really famous DJ and uh, they really interact with the crowd and it's really a uh, it's really an electric experience and a good time. Yeah, man. I mean, it is. I've been to game day or I've been to games where game day was around. When I went to the Red River Texas OU game in 2008, game day was there broadcasting from the fair. I went when I was in college, and I was just looking at this because I couldn't remember exactly what the game was, but it would have been back in October of 99 when the Longhorns hosted Nebraska. Game day came to Austin, and I remember driving up there from southwest Texas and checking it out because we were all kind of curious about it. Like, we didn't wake up early and try to, like, go and, and, you know, do that whole thing where these people are camping out so they'll be right on TV. It was more right. of one of those things where you kind of just go over by it and check out the, you know, the whole setup of it and all that. Like, I, I'm i not the person who's waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning so I can, or even earlier, to be the first <laughs> person so I can maybe be on TV. Right, right, right. You know, I, I I, I'm not into that. And I've seen it, obviously. They've come to Tuscaloosa a couple of times. And Justin, having lived in Alabama previously, I've, I've been to Crimson Tide games where they're there. I just try not to go over by where they're at anymore at this day and age of my life. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things Dion talked about was uh, you got the eyes of the world on you now, of the football world. Yeah. Um, especially because they've heard about us, but they haven't seen us. And so, you know, he, he challenged his team, like, what are you going to do with this moment? I mean, you sit around here and you ask for a moment. When the moment has arrived, what are you going to do with it? And so, dude, I watched that game and, you know, he went for it. They took the opening kickoff and he went for it on fourth and one from his own 27. And I was like, what is he doing? <laughs> Because the risk-reward was like, okay, you get it. Now you got 72 yards to go. And if you don't get it, they're set up to go up 7-0. Um, but they didn't get it, so they failed. 
and they ended up making them lose four or five yards on that first possession, and then yeah. they blocked the field goal attempt. But the bottom line was two possessions into the game, I was like, I don't think Southern's going to score today. Man. Because, I mean, because what happened was they had a big play, like a big run, like 50 yards or something yeah. like that. But that was it. Like the next three plays was like loss, 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 punt. And so I was just like, I don't think they can handle them. And so once they went up 7 nothing, I told a member of the staff on the sideline when they got the ball after another punt, and I was like, you know this thing's a wrap if it's 14 nothing because there's no way in the world Southern's scoring 14 points. And then uh, right after that, Shadour uh, scored on like a 42-yard run, and it was – 14 nothing. it was over. It was 35 nothing, um, And it probably could have been a little worse than that. Um, you know, but it was it was a dominant, thorough ass-kicking because think about it, it's 35 nothing, and Southern was averaging 47 points and 460 yards a game. And they ended up with, you know, 3 of 18 on third down and 221 yards of offense. Crazy. So uh, they they pretty much shut them down and controlled them. Now, here's the other thing that happened, bro. I have never been this wet in my life. You know, because they were talking about rain all day. Yeah. And it rained a little bit in the third quarter, just a little bit. And I had on rain gear. Like, I had on a good rain jacket. I had on some some joggers where the rain, you know, f- you know slides down them as opposed to absorbing them. So I was I was fairly prepared, bro. That rain started coming down in the fourth quarter before they called the rain delay for lightning. And I was, I've never been that soaked. Really? Like, dude, I was so soaked. Well, how soaked were you? I was so soaked that I went and asked the equipment woman. I go, hey, uh, my shoes are soaked. You got any extra socks? You got a t-shirt, a sweatshirt? You got anything I can swap out? And she gave me some stuff to swap out, but dude, it was the, I've never been that wet in my life. Everything on me was just drenched. Man, that is, that's <laughs> and that's miserable too because you're still you're just sitting there and you're soaked and you can't do anything about it. You're just stuck. Yeah, stuck. That's a that's a good word. But I they mean, had two rain delays and it was uh, I was like wow. And then, so at the end of the game, they played the last eleven minutes. Think about it. It was fifty three thousand attendance. They played the last 11 minutes of the game in front of about 200 fans because I was like, this like some, looked like some great football game. Yeah, man, that's pretty wild. And, and, and that's, I mean, what a cool experience, to, especially for Jackson State and everybody involved and obviously that program. And college game day is one of those things. I mean, we talked about this a little bit last week. Everybody knows it and everybody, it, it's, it's, I think it's really, really cool when they go to schools like that that never get that type of exposure. And you'll see that from yeah. every once in a while. Like they went to App State earlier this year. And that was really cool because it's always a cool experience. But I feel like in areas like that where it's a first time or it's a smaller school, the students in the whole town are just blown away by it. Whereas, oh, they're coming to Tuscaloosa again. Cool. Uh, what is this? Like the 400th time they've been there. And I, I don't know. I just think it, it, it feels like it means more in a place like a Jackson State than it does when they go to the campus of Alabama again. No, it does. I don't think there's any doubt about that because it's it's new and it's fresh. And those people are, are, are like a lot of folks, deserving of attention 
but but don't really get it at the level that they maybe should. And so it's always good when, when that happens. I mean, we like to see it at Ohio State or Alabama sure. or Texas as well because uh, it's always fun. But, yeah, man, when they go off to beat like, you know, I was, as I name drop here, to p- about people you don't know, uh, unless you do, uh, Drew Gallagher, he's a producer of Game Day. And uh, I was talking to him about how they decided to come to Jackson State. And he's like, you wouldn't believe all the stuff that went into it because we have to, we've been looking at him all year, but we couldn't figure out when was a good time to come. Mm. And, you know, he goes, but we try to cover college, the stories in college football, not just, you know, oh, Alabama, Ohio State and Penn State are playing this week. Let's go there to Happy Valley or, um, or uh, you know, Georgia and uh, Florida are playing. Let's go down there. That makes sense. Uh, they were just at Tennessee, so they were like, we don't need to go back there right now. So it just kind of worked out like that. Um, so it's a, uh, it was a very cool deal. And, um, you know, I think this is just me now. I think, um, if Deion Sanders is at Jackson state next year, I would bet you they'll be back at, uh, in Jackson or wherever, you know, whenever they got another big game Yeah, be- because he's so charismatic, he brings out the best in every place he goes. And if he's for some reason somewhere else, I know for a fact that wherever, if he's not at Jackson State, because I think if he is at Jackson State, I think they'll be back at Jackson State next year. And if he's somewhere else, I think he'll be, they'll be wherever he is because he's so electric and uh, he's so charismatic and the camera loves him and he, he knows TV, so he always gives you good theater and good TV. Yeah, it makes sense. And, and you know, I, I could see it being one of those things, who knows, one of those random early season non-conference games for wherever he may or may not be next year. We'll see. But, yeah, game day, it, it, it's fascinating because you had Jackson State. They went to Kansas for the first time this year, and they went to App State for, the I believe, the first time this year, if I recall right. And then it's funny because, like you just pointed out, they've already gone to Knoxville, Tennessee twice, and they're going to another Tennessee game this upcoming weekend because it's Tennessee and Georgia in Athens, which is number one team in the country against the number two team in the country. Uh, what's your early beat on that game? Man, I honestly do not. After watching Tennessee just maul Kentucky and seeing how they were able to just hang with, with Alabama, obviously, I, there is no reason why that offense can't hang. The other thing about that, though, is that it's in Georgia. And as everybody knows, winning conference games, especially in college football, on the road is a different beast. And, I mean, you, I, I mean, why not Tennessee? But what a story. I mean, they weren't even ranked to start the season. Everybody said, oh, well, they'll need another year. And then Hendon Hooker just comes in and is a legit Heisman Trophy candidate. And I think it's going to be fun. I think it'll be close. But it's hard to go against the defending national championship on their own home. Their own field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this is basically for, you tell me, because I haven't followed it that close. This is basically for a trip to the uh, championship game, huh? Yeah, it, it will be. I mean, there's only, I mean, when you look at what's left in the college football season, the winner of this game is going to win the East in the SEC. And, you know, there's still, we'll see about the West, but the winner of this game is going to win the East and will play for the SEC championship most likely against Alabama, but Alabama's got two. They have sucked on the road this year, and next Saturday they go on the road for a night game at Tiger Stadium against the number 15 LSU Tigers, and then the week after that they go on the road to Oxford to take on Ole Miss. So 
Bama's got two really interesting road tests coming up to see if they can get back to Atlanta for either a rematch against Georgia or a rematch from their loss this season against Tennessee. It's going to be fascinating. We'll see. Yeah, sounds like it. It's going to be fun. Um, I'll be at that game, too, the the Alabama-Oxford game. We're going to, to that game. My brother Chris is flying in town, and he's going to come with us because he's never been to Ole Miss. So we're going to stay with the lady's dad who lives in Oxford, and we're going to go to that game on Saturday, November 12th. Oh, sounds like a winner. Sounds like a winner. Big time college football, man. I will say Ole Miss is a is like the epitome of a college town and the Grove, one of the legendary tailgating scenes in all of college football is one of those things. If you're just a college football fan, it's just something to experience because it is. I mean, they tailgate on a whole different level. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. But other than that, I guess that wraps it up for us, man. And well, I had a I had a thought based off a tweet I just saw from from Calvin Watkins. Ooh, what is it? Let's see. Tell me. It it says as Dallas enters the bye week, the run defense still hasn't been fixed. It's a problem that could hold this team back come late in the season and maybe the postseason. And here's why I thought about that. Because it's amazing. This this be really good for y'all. I'm glad y'all hung around for this. Okay, it's amazing the things that scar athletes, like you know moments and games that they just can't let go of. Yeah, uh, when they play at the highest level, even even um, you know any athlete, you know, because there can be some high school athletes who'd be like, dude, let me tell you what happened my senior year. We were in the state championship game. Blah 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 blah. One of my favorite things to do um, at Jackson State. Is and I, I often do it in the morning for about 30 minutes because uh, the schedule kind of fits that way. Is I go talk to Dennis Thurman. I mentioned him once today. Yeah. Bro, this is exactly what he preaches to his team. It's not about the run defense, but he tells his story. And I know it has scarred him because he's told me this same story at least three times. And I don't have the heart to tell him that he's told me three times because, <laughs> awesome. because he he tells it with such passion. Yeah. And there, it doesn't take oh. much for him to dredge up the memory and go, well, let me tell you what happened this time. And I go, whoa, what happened? I go, really? Oh, my God. Oh, really? Wow. You know, because he tells it with such passion every time. Yeah. But here's what he's talking about. He's talking about the 1981 championship game against San Francisco. Or the 1980, which game was it? The catch. Was that 80? I think it was 81 because didn't it technically happen in 82? Yeah, so it's the catch. He's talking about the catch. Leading the drive, leading to the catch because the Cowboys are ahead. And earlier in the year, I can't remember who they were playing, even though he's told me the story several times. They were playing a team who had a two-back set, and they just killed him with it. And he said Tom Landry used to tell him, after film sessions, especially when they lost, whatever whatever ailed them is like, we got to fix this because if we don't, we'll see it again. And Dennis says, we never fixed that two-back problem that killed us in that game. He said, now go back and think about the, that game. He said, think about that last drive. What did they hurt us with? And I go, Linville Elliott? He goes, yes. They kept running the same play to the right and to the left and it was basically the same play we hadn't fixed in the regular season that uh, Bill Walsh figured out. And he said, it went so far, he said, 
because they were in a nickel defense and it just didn't match up with this two-back set that San Francisco was running. Yeah. And he said, Charlie Waters even went to the sideline one time and said, you guys have got to get us out of the nickel because they're killing us with this same play. And he said the coaches refused to do it. And so, you know, they were – and it got to the point where years later, Dennis says he's talking to a member of the 49ers, and he goes, hey – and they're talking about that game. And he goes, hey, you know, if Dwight doesn't make that catch, we're running that play on fourth down. And it's the one that they've been running with success all in that whole drive. And so this, this tweet that Calvin put out made me just think that, you know, uh, at one level he's right. I keep saying, oh, well, it's a running quarterback. Is this situation? Is that situation? Mm-hmm. Nah, I don't know. But the reality is you got to make sure you fix your run defense or fits or whatever it is because if you don't, at the most inopportune time, it will reveal itself, and they will bust your ass for not having fixed your problem. Yeah, exactly. Whatever it is, even if it happens to be the running quarterback, because you very well may have to figure out again against Jalen Hurts in the playoffs. And they, yeah. they, they did it well for the most part against him the first time around, but there are, there are guys that are running quarterbacks that are going to be in the playoffs. So to Calvin's point, you might want to fix this before it gets – because it is, it is a troubling trend. I mean, they're trending in the wrong direction with some of the ways they've been getting gashed up front, which is probably one of the reasons why they made the trade for Hankins, to give another big body in the middle. I mean, they're, they're aware of this. We'll see what happens. The trade deadline is Tuesday at 1 o'clock, or at 3 o'clock, rather. So we'll see what happens. And, and by the time we record on Tuesday afternoon, maybe the Cowboys will have made a move. But everybody have a happy Halloween. Most of you listening to this on Halloween Monday... So have a great Halloween. Be safe if you're going out and about and enjoy it. And we will talk to you again very, very soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.